Thanks, Dan. Yeah, we live in the village called Kubamitwe. We literally beat the head um, because it was, as Dan said, a place of execution. Um, we are in the process of changing the name of the village to Kuba Nomotima, which means to beat the heart. And we're actually not changing the name, but... <laughs> um, but that's what we're trying to do there is to, to beat the heart because that's what God is after. It has been a, a real joy to be here this weekend um, and it's always a joy for me to be at Calvary because this is my home. And it's, I come home to friends, I come home to family, but it's especially exciting for me to be here this weekend and if you haven't been here, you have missed out. Um, it's been so great just to get to know these guys, Eric and Terrence, and uh, of course I get to see Shannon too much, uh, but, but it's good to see him here, and, and, uh, but the, the, the preaching has been so good and so impactful, my heart has been touched. So if you haven't been here, you really missed out. Well, yesterday um, I looked at one of the things that I looked at was how we view people, because how we view people is important as believers. We don't have the privilege of seeing people the way we want to see them. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price, and, and if we want to be involved in mission, we need to see people like Jesus sees people, and that's true, but that was for yesterday. Today, I want to talk about how you view yourself, because how you view yourself is extremely important in how you operate and how you live your lives. And a lot of the problems that we face happen because we're not seeing ourselves accurately. We need to view ourselves the way God views us, not only view other people the way he views them. We need to view ourselves the way God sees us because it impacts how we live. It impacts the choices that we make and it impacts the decisions that we often face day to day. Jeremy Pierre, in his book, The Dynamic Heart and Daily Life, says that God designed human beings to operate out of an established self-conception. That self-perception ideally correlates to their true identity as God designed them. But this is never entirely the case for fallen humanity. God has given us an identity, and that identity should drive. We are designed to operate out of that identity in how we see ourselves. He goes on to distinguish between our God-given identity or how God sees us, what God says about us, the way the Bible describes us, and between our constructed identity or how we, what we say about ourselves. And the further these two things are apart, the more problems we're going to have in life. As Christians, we need to daily renew our minds and daily remind ourselves who we are according to God's word, not according to what we say about ourselves, not according to what the world says about us. So what I want to do today is just talk to you about how the Bible describes us as believers. And the Bible uses many different words to describe us, and they're all very helpful, but I want to focus on one. Um, some of the other ones are, we are described as a disciple or a follower of Christ. 
And that's very helpful. We need to see ourselves as followers of the king, as Shannon pointed out yesterday or the day before. But we need to see ourselves as followers of Christ, and that'll impact how we live our lives and the, the decisions that we make. The Bible also describes us as a servant, or probably more literally, a slave of Christ. And all of, both of those have relationship to Christ and, and how we relate to Him, and, and it has implications on how we relate to the world, but, but mostly with, with Christ. The Bible also describes us as saints. And isn't that a beautiful description? I mean, we stand before God as sanctified if we're in Christ. We stand before God as holy if we're in Christ. So we're saints. And all of those are great. All of those are helpful. All of those are things we need to be saturating our minds with. But this is a missions conference. And I think there's a, another description that Paul uses that's more helpful regarding how we view ourselves and how we relate to the world around us, regarding the mission that God has given us. And that word is, a, is a ambassador. If you would, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to be looking at verse 20 and 21 primarily. But Paul is describing his own ministry, and, and I think... Um, I don't think it's just limited to Paul. I think we can uh, apply this to ourselves. He says in verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are ambassadors of the king. That is how God wants us to see ourselves in relationship to this world. Well, let me pray and then we'll get into this text. Father, we are, are so grateful, Lord, for the many, many blessings that you've poured out on us. Father, we're grateful that, that we were once your enemies and, and you sent your son so that we might be restored in our relationship to you. Father, we are grateful for the fact that um, our sins aren't counted against us anymore, that Christ paid the penalty, or that we can be reconciled to you. Father, we pray that you would help us today, open our eyes and our hearts this morning. I pray that you would burn in my heart the fact that I'm your ambassador. I pray that you would burn in the hearts of everyone here, that we are ambassadors for Christ and we have a job to do. Lord, we pray that you would be honored, that you would be exalted, and that many would come to see you as the King. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul here describes himself as an ambassador, and, and an ambassador is someone who has a unique job. They're sent... I'm on this one, sorry. They're sent from one country by the king or the president. They're sent to another country, and they live in this country, and their job is to represent the country they're sent from. They realize that where they're living is not their home. They realize that where they're living is, is not where they're going to set up house. It's a temporary place they're living. They know that their home is in a different location. Their family's in a different location. 
their heart really is in a different location. But they've been sent on a mission. They've been sent to another country, to another culture, and they are to represent their king. That's what an ambassador is. And so when Paul calls himself an ambassador, he is saying something that I think is extremely important for us to understand. And that's why I'm saying it's important for us to view ourselves the way God views us when it comes to ministering to the culture around us. We're ambassadors. And I think there's three things I want to point out today about Christ's ambassadors and what we need to remember as we live out our lives in this foreign land. First of all, we need to remember that Christ's ambassador has a homeland. And I think this is so important because we get lulled into the understanding or the idea that this is our home. This is, this is permanent, but it's not. This is temporary. James and, uh, even uses the illustration that our life is a mist. It just lasts for a little while. This is not our home. We have a homeland. This is not it. Praise the Lord. I pray we were had an interesting conversation yesterday at lunch. You know, when is Christ going to return? Lord, I pray it is soon. I'm ready to go home. This is not my home. My heart longs to be in heaven. My heart longs to be with my Father. That's the way we need to view our life here. This is, this is not our home. We're in a foreign land. We have a homeland, and, and we're all foreign missionaries regardless of where we live. Why? Because this is not our home. Paul reminds the church at Philippi, chapter in, in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 20, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where, where we are. We're in a foreign land, and we're looking to our homeland, and we're longing for our homeland I mean, the book of Philippians is amazing. It reveals so many things about Paul's heart. You know, he's struggling. You know, he, am I going to die or, or am I not going to die? And, and if I had to choose, what does he choose? I'd rather die because that's far better. Because I go to my home. I go to my Lord and Savior. I go to my Father. I go to my home. I go to my homeland. That's the attitude we all should have. Our allegiance must be to our homeland. And we wait eagerly for our king to call us home. We're also called in 1 Peter sojourners, and that kind of hits at the same idea that this is not our home. We're just passing through. A sojourner is someone who, who wanders, and they basically live in tents. And we're to remember that, that this is not our home. This is temporary. This is not our residence. Christ's ambassador, if he's to be effective, must remember that he doesn't live for this world. We live for heaven, and we don't live for this world. And, you know, I think about this. My boys, they, they really like to camp out. And uh, where we live, it's really convenient um, now because we don't have to go anywhere to camp out. Um, <laughs> they can just camp out in the backyard, which is great for me because I hate camping out. You know, I used to like it, but as I get older, it's just not comfortable. And, and so it's great for me to say, yeah, boys, you go camp out. And then I get to go out there in the morning and sit with them by the fire. 
But I, I think about it, and this is not to discourage you, by the way, from I know you're having a church camp out. <laughs> but I think about that in relation to this, and I, you just think, how funny would it be if you were to go on the church camp out, and is it one night or two nights? Either? Okay. Let's just say it's two nights. I mean, can you imagine somebody showing up from the church, and, and uh, the first day they start building a house? on the campsite and at the end of the day I mean it's a rough house but they're building a house and they're running water and they're, they're digging uh, lines for electricity and you're looking at them and you're going what are you doing we're just here for two days this is not our home this is not our home we're just here temporarily we're ambassadors sent to a foreign land If we're to be faithful ambassadors, we must remember where our citizenship is. And this is why, and you, I'm just going to read some verses. You can jot these down or you can turn there if you want to. But this is why Jesus says things like this in Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Don't lay up for yourself treasures here. Why would Jesus say that? Because this is not our home. We have another home, and that's where we need to be laying up treasures. That's where we need to be focused. And he goes on to say in Matthew 6, 31, he says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all of these other things, all the things that you need will be added to you. Not all the things that we want. But if we're seeking his kingdom, we have whatever we need. And he's going to add those things to us. Seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Because this is not our home. As an ambassador, our primary cravings should not be on the riches and the titles and the fame that this world has to offer. As ambassadors, we need to be focused on the riches and the fame and the things that our home has to offer. And I think if you turn quickly in uh, 1 John chapter 2, John makes this point, and he, he tells let me get there because I can't talk and turn pages. John chapter 2, verse 15. He tells, tells us, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with his desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And notice something else here. This world is not only temporary for us, it's temporary. It's passing away. This is not just a camping trip for us. It's temporary for everyone. And what we do here matters for eternity. And as an ambassador, we remember this. 
We have this clearly etched in our minds, and, and when we start to forget, we remind ourselves, this is not our home. We have a homeland, and this isn't it. And it's so important for us as ambassadors to keep reminding ourselves of this, to keep these things in the forefront of our mind. James, just turn over a couple of pages. James says this even stronger. James chapter 4, verse 4. He says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Not only is this world temporary, but it's, at, it's opposed to our home country. The, world we, the, the foreign land that we've been sent to is hostile toward our home, toward our country. And we as ambassadors need to remember that. We not only need to remember that we have a homeland, the second thing a Christ ambassador needs to remember is that he has a calling. We have a job to do. Christ's ambassador is called to represent his king in all that he says and in all that he does. I mean, can you imagine you have an ambassador, you know, Uganda has an ambassador, we have an embassy there. I've never met the ambassador. I don't even know if he's there or she's there. Um, but can you imagine her going there and not representing the United States? Going there and making herself at home or him, I don't even know who it is, but I'll call it a her. Uh, and making themselves at home and not representing the home country. What happens to that ambassador? Well, as soon as the government finds out, those in charge are probably pulling that ambassador back. An ambassador has a job to do. An ambassador lives in a nation that's foreign to the nation that he's from. An ambassador lives in a nation where they speak a different language and they have different traditions, and they follow a different way of life. Isn't that true of us? Shouldn't that be true of us? We live in a culture that should speak a different language. It's funny, you can always pick out a foreigner. I mean, I stand out like a huge billboard in Uganda. Um, it's obvious to everyone that I'm not from Uganda. But it's not always that easy. Sometimes the color of your skin doesn't give you away. But the way we speak should. It's interesting. You, you can always tell a foreigner. Sometimes you can just tell them without even hearing them speak. You can tell by watching them, by watching the decisions they make, because they're coming from a different culture. Their traditions are different. Their culture's different. We as believers, we as ambassadors of Christ, speak a different language. We should, anyway. People that look at our lives should be able to see that we're not, that this is not our home based on how we live our lives, based on how we speak, how we treat people. We as ambassadors speak for our king. We don't have the option of choosing what message we give as an ambassador of the king. We go, we're sent to a foreign country, and we say exactly what that king would say in that situation. And that's our job. Yesterday, Dan and I were talking, and um, he was telling me uh, about a group of counselors that had committed themselves to counseling people without using the Bible and to counseling people without mentioning Jesus. I don't understand that. That's not what an ambassador does. An ambassador doesn't have that right. 
An ambassador doesn't have the right to say, I won't talk about my country. I won't talk about my king. When what that person needs is the king. And then we as ambassadors speak what our king would speak in the situation that we're in because we represent him. And we're to speak the truth. We're to speak the truth in love. They go hand in hand. But we don't have the op option of keeping silent when our king would say something. And we don't have the option of speaking to only a certain group of people when our king would speak to another group of people. We represent the king. We are ambassadors for Christ. When we give advice, the advice that we give should be the advice that our king would give in that situation. Why? Because we are ambassadors. We have a calling. We have a job to do. And we don't represent ourselves. We represent the king. And so we speak as though we are ambassadors of Christ. We must let our voices bring the message of our king into the everyday situations in which we find ourselves. That's our job. Not only do we represent our king in our speech, but we represent our king in our, by the way we live our lives. And again, our lives matter. That we're not our own. Paul mentions this. Go back to 2 Corinthians. And I just think this is a great uh, point that Paul makes here in chapter 5. Maybe you can go back there because we're going to be there. Verse 15, he says, And he, that would be Jesus, died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The king died so that we would no longer live for ourselves. We are ambassadors of the king, and we don't have the right to live the way we want to live. We no longer set our own agendas. We, we have the agenda that our king sets for us. We need to see our lives as an ambassador. We need to see the fact that, that we have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer, it's no longer I who live. Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and he, he encourages them. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. And that's the call over and over in the New Testament. Let your manner of life be worthy of the king. Be worthy of the king's message. So that when people see you and me, they recognize that we're from a different homeland. And they recognize that our lives aren't our own. Our lives are the king's. We are to commend our king by our actions and by our words. And that's a great privilege and it's a great responsibility. When we see people, we need to see people the way Christ sees them. We need to speak the way Christ would speak. And we need to live to the best of our abilities the way Christ would live. Because we're his ambassador. And this is not always easy. As ambassadors, we're called to go into a land, as I mentioned earlier, it's hostile. The land we live in is hostile to the gospel, and sometimes it's not always hostile, hostile but it is hostile. An ambassador, as ambassadors of Christ, we're in enemy territory. And Jesus warned us about this. Open your Bibles to John chapter 15. This is no secret. If you don't like being in hostile enemy territory, 
you're in trouble. John chapter 15, verse 18. Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If the world hates you, you're my representative. They're hating you because they hate me. And he goes on to say, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. We're going to be hated because we're in enemy territory. And the culture that we live in, the, uh, the land that we live in, hates our king. And God sends us there as his ambassadors. I love the story of, of Moses. And you don't have to turn there, but this is in Hebrews 11. Um, it's just a great, Hebrews 11 is just amazing. But if you ever want to be encouraged about living in your culture and being different and being hated, look at the example of Moses, verse 24. By faith it says, Moses, when he was growing up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Wow. Is that not what we're talking about? Moses chose, the, or he chose to live for God in a culture, not receive the title that he could have received because he's a child of the God. He's a child of the king. And he gave up the riches that he could have gotten for riches that were going to last because he's a child of the king. You and I are ambassadors. And we have a job to do. We're in hostile territory. And the world's going to hate us. And that's okay. That's okay. Because this is not our home. And I believe that probably if we're not hated, maybe we're not being ambassadors like we need to be. If you're not getting any flack from people around you, maybe you're not being the ambassador that God wants you to be. Because if you're a Christ ambassador and you realize that you're not in your homeland, you realize that you serve your king, that your message is not your own, you're saying what God would say in that situation, I guarantee you, you'll get flack. But that's okay. It's not our home. I'm not saying you need to go out and be hard. We need to speak in love. We need to be gentle. And we need to be, uh, we need to be a fragrance, aroma to those around us. But if you're speaking the way your king wants you to speak, you will be hated. People will dislike you. We're, lastly, Christ's ambassador must remember that we have a message. We not only have a homeland, we not only have a call, but we have a message. And again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. We can't just come up with our own message. We have a message, and that message is reconciliation. This is back in, in uh, our passage, 2 Corinthians 15. We have a message of reconciliation 
that is what we need to be preaching. And I so appreciated um, talking to Terrence yesterday uh, at lunch. And uh, one of the things we were talking about at River Tree uh, is that he understands that the, the kids he's ministering to and the community he's ministering to, he understands that their biggest problem's not a lack of education. He understands that their biggest problem is that they have a problem with their creator. And we don't have the option of deciding what ministry we get involved in. We have a message, and our message is reconciliation. Verse 19 says that, that, well, let me back up to 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Humanitarian ministry has its place, but it's not the main thing. Because, and we have this same thing at Legacy. One of my primary responsibilities there at the school in Uganda is training teachers. So I'm taking these teachers who are Ugandan, and I'm bringing them in, and I want to give them a vision for what we're doing at the school. And every year I tell them the same thing. And that is, I could care less if kids graduate from our school and go on to be doctors and lawyers if they don't love Jesus. If we have kids that leave our school and they go on to become doctors and lawyers, but they don't love Jesus, then I'll count myself a failure. Because what they need is, they need an education, but that's not their primary need. That's just a means to the end for legacy. The end, the message is, you were created to know God. You were created to have a relationship with your Creator. But our message is reconciliation, so obviously something's wrong. We were created to have this relationship with the God of the universe. And just think about that for a second. We were created to know God. Isn't that amazing? We're, we're not just, you know, here, God's not just up there going, oh, you go do that. He's our Father. He wants a relationship with us. And that's what we're calling people to. Reconciliation means restoring the relationship, bringing two parties who are at enmity and bringing them together. And that's our message, a message of reconciliation. Something has gone horribly wrong. People are estranged from God. They're alienated from God. And why? Well, it says it right here. People are alienated because of their trespasses, because of their sin. They're alienated. They have no relationship with God. And the, the, the amazing thing about this is it's not people who are searching for God. It's God who initiates reconciliation. We're the ones who should be initiating reconciliation, but it's not us. It's the God that we've offended. And he comes and he says, listen, there's a way to be reconciled, and that's through my son Jesus Christ. He doesn't just set our sin aside as though it's no big deal. He sent his son to die for our sins 
so that we can be reconciled. That's the message. The barrier that we have or that people have apart from Christ can't be accomplished on their own. They can't get rid of the barrier on their own. The problem is, is that we have trespassed against our king and we're separated. We can't do penance enough. We can't earn our way back into fellowship with God. But God comes to us, and I love that passage um, that Kyle read this morning. I was going to go to another one, but I like that one better. Colossians 2. Kyle, where was that? 13 and 14. It's amazing. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh were alienated from the God who wants us to have fellowship with him because of our sin, because of our trespasses. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set aside. He didn't just set it aside. If you stop there, you don't have the whole picture. We're not reconciled just because, you know, oh, it's going to be okay. God will just overlook your sin. It's not that big of a deal. That's not our message. Our message is that our sin is a big deal. We've offended a holy God. But He reconciles us. How does He do it? By nailing it to the cross. He took our sin and He nailed it to the cross. And He sets it aside so that we can be restored to fellowship. That's our message. Paul ends this verse this way, I think it's a beautiful illustration, or, or, or not illustration, it's a beautiful way of, of summarizing the gospel, verse 21. He says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. That's nailing it to the cross. So that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, that's the whole picture. Christ takes our sin and he pays the penalty on the cross. God nails it to the cross. But he not only does that, because that's not enough, because we have to be righteous. And when, when, when we put our faith in Christ, there's a, a great exchange. And I know I'm just re-preaching Dan's sermon because I've heard this from him. But there's a great exchange. He takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. That's the message we give to this world. That's the message that the world desperately needs to hear. You are alienated from your creator. But God has been merciful and he sent his son. That's the message that we have. That's what ministry is all about. That's the problem that we have. We can't make the problem anything else. Uganda's biggest problem is not a lack of education. Uganda's biggest problem is not a lack of infrastructure or water or electricity. 
Uganda and any other country, I'm just using Uganda because that's where I'm from, but any other country, the problem is they're alienated from God. And we as ambassadors must remember that we have a message. We have a message from our king, and it's go to those who don't know and tell them there's hope in Christ. Go to them and tell them you've been alienated, but the God you're alienated from wants fellowship with you. You were created to know him intimately, and you can have that in Christ. That's our message. We need to remember as ambassadors that we have a homeland. This is not it. We also need to remember that we have a calling. We're to represent our king in all that we say, all that we do. We need to remember that we have a message, and our message is urgent. I love the, the title of this conference is Gospel Urgency. Our, our message is, is urgent. We have an urgent mission. Our time is limited. People are dying every day. It's funny, in Uganda, this time of year, there's more funerals than any other time. Every time I go to a burial, when we have a burial in, in our village, pretty much the whole village stops, and we all go to the, the burial. And, and we'll typically have four to five burials every year between January and February in our village because it's extremely hot right now. My wife reminded me of that this morning when I talked to her. Um, <laughs> It's extremely hot, and it's hard on, I mean, it's hard on me, but, like, if you're an older person, it's extremely difficult. But every time I go to a burial, as they put the body in the ground, I wonder, did that person know God? Could I have done something? Was I the ambassador that I needed to be with this person? Our message, our mission our calling is urgent. The people that you interact with on a daily basis, their soul hangs in the balance. Are you an ambassador? Do you see your role as an ambassador? Are you making an appeal? As verse 20 puts it, it says, we implore you, Paul, listen, he's imploring. This is the amazing thing to me. Paul implores, why? Because it says, as though God, not as though, God is making his appeal through us. If your friends are going to hear about this message, if your co-workers are going to hear about this message, it's going to come because someone tells them, because someone pleads with them and says, listen, God is making an appeal. And Paul says he's making an appeal through me. And that's how we need to see it as his ambassadors. God making an appeal through us to those that we live with, to those that we work with, to those that we go to school with. Are they going to hear what the king would tell them because you open your mouth and you say it? Make your appeal as though God is making his appeal through you. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. I want to close by just asking a couple of questions um, and just want you to think about how are you doing and I'm evaluating this in my own heart how are you doing with living as an ambassador do you realize that this is not your home we're in a foreign country 
we eagerly wait for our king. So don't get comfortable here. Do you know your calling as an ambassador? Do you know that you're called to represent your king in all that you do? And do you know that you have a message? God has given you a message to take to this world, to take to this culture, to take to this foreign land. You have a message. You're his ambassador. Unless you're not a believer, and that's a possibility. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and you've honestly would say in your heart, I don't know God. I come to church a lot, but I don't have a relationship with God. Let me close by reading um, the next verses in this passage, chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Paul continues, working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I would just make an appeal. I would plead with you to put your hope and your trust in Christ. Turn to God in repentance. Say, I have offended you by the way that I live my life. Forgive me. And in Christ, you can be restored and have a relationship with your Creator. I would implore you to know Him because that's what matters. That's what we're all about. Let me close in prayer. Father, I don't know what's going on in the hearts and the minds of anybody here. I know what's happening in my own heart. But Lord, I, I pray for those who are here that know you. I ask that you would give us a, a, an urgency, a burning desire, a realization that we're your ambassador. Lord, and I pray that that would impact everything we do. I pray that that would impact how we treat people after we leave this building what we say to people after we leave this building. Lord, I pray that, that you would reap a harvest here in this community, through this church, through these people, because they are your ambassadors. Father, and I pray that if there's someone here who doesn't know you, oh God, I pray that you would open their eyes. Lord, that they would understand that there's forgiveness and there's reconciliation, but that only comes through Christ. Lord, we thank you for the ministry that you've called us to. We pray that you would help us to walk in a way that's honoring and pleasing to you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk in joy because it's a joyful ministry. We, we love you, Lord, and we pray that you would use us as your ambassadors today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.